here we are now. With another episode of the Andrew Lake Podcast. If you are a regular listener of the Andrew Lake Podcast, please share your favourite episode, as this will help me find my audience. It will help to find the people who are ready to hear what we are talking about here. And today, I'd like to talk about the worst wife in the history of all wives. And there is a very profound insight to be learnt from this. There is an attitude that can be adopted from distilling the principle of this story, or the insight from this story, which we can use for our own relationships. It's an attitude that can seep into how we talk to other people, how we relate to other people, how we feel around other people. And it really is a core fundamental insight. And you could say, well, who's the worst wife in the history of wives? Well, that's a pretty tall order. And it is. I mean, there are many terrible wives out there, I'm sure, that have done all sorts of terrible, terrible things. And really, when we say that someone is the world's worst, well, maybe no one can take that. Maybe it's just a way of illustrating how bad that person is. And, well, there's always someone worse. And it's always also a matter of opinion. But this wife, this person that we're talking about, is someone who was famous, world famous for two things. And one of those things was how much of a terrible wife she was. She was actually famous for it. It was something that people spoke about. And you know who this is. I'm sure you've heard of this person. It is Xantippe. A very famous historical figure, we could call her. And she was so bad that, well, people would bitch about her and say, my goodness, isn't she terrible? My goodness, how can I... I can't even stand to be around this person. My goodness. She's always saying these awful things. She's so annoying. And that was just her friends. She also had family that thought the same thing. Now, there is this thing with... uh, a bitchy woman, sometimes, for some women, where you can say, well, she's really hot. Or she's, she's a psycho, but she's really good in bed. Or she's really sexy. Or she's really beautiful. Have you heard of this before? Some men would say that there's this thing that God has done with the sexy women to make them psycho, so that only the bravest men can get the most beautiful women. And maybe there is something in that, maybe. But it's definitely not a world perspective that you can use to apply to everyone. <laughs> it's a very, that's a very narrow take on women. We need to broaden our minds much further than that if we're going to get anywhere in our relationships. 
But this wife, this terrible wife, Xantippe, she wasn't even that good looking. It wasn't like, oh, she's a psycho, but I love her. Oh, she's so controlling, but she always ends up being nice at the end of the day. No, it wasn't like that at all. No. In fact, she was always a psycho, always a bitch, always controlling. And there's nothing possibly more infuriating than a controlling woman. And a wife, well, that's a relationship which is very unique. And it's the sort of relationship that you get into sorts of difficulties which you don't see in any other sorts of relationships. Now, in family, you're sort of stuck with who you are with to an extent for a certain amount of time, depending on how old you are. But you can, in so many ways, get away from your family. Now, your friends, well, you can choose your friends. You can leave. If someone annoys you, if someone pisses you off, you just stop talking to them. And there is an art to learning how to walk away from people. It does take a skill to know, look, I don't feel to be around this person anymore. I'm not feeling happy to be speaking with this person anymore, so I'm just going to quietly slip into the distance. Now, with Xantippe, well, who she was married to was stuck with her. And when you're married to someone, you can't really get out. Now, in the modern day, well, you can get out. You can get a divorce. But in Xantippe's time, it was a little bit different. Marriage was a much stronger institution. And when you have kids with the person or you're raising kids with them, Well, you are really stuck with them. And if that person is controlling, bitchy, nagging, arguing, bickering, and doing all sorts of things to you, well, then you just have to wear it. There's this story, a famous story about Xantippe, that she was having an argument with her husband. And how the argument ended was that she went and she got a big pot, which was full of piss and shit, and she tipped it over his head. Quite literally. Now, that tells you something about what day and age, what it was like in that day and age, because they didn't have toilets. They had the bedpans. Because this was pre-modern plumbing, pre-modern piping. So in the morning you'd wake up and you'd do your piss and your poo in a big big bowl and then you'd throw it out. But Xantippe, well, she got the idea that she's going to tip it over her husband's head. My goodness, can you imagine? Can you imagine what sort of person would do that? Would actually tip piss and shit over someone's head because of an argument? And all these terrible things, and there are many stories about what Xantippe was like as a person and as a wife, well, everyone knew them about her. She was famous for it. 
And there are still stories today that are told about her, about how much of a terrible wife she was. Now, the other thing that she's world famous for, because I did say there was two, was, well, who she was married to. And I'm sure you know who she was married to. I'm sure you've heard of this person. And that person was Socrates. So, any chance we get, we love to talk about Socrates. And what did people say about Socrates? Well, they loved him. They adored him. People wanted to be around him all the time. People would have him over for dinner. People would invite him to parties. People would just follow him around, just to talk to him, just to be in his presence. So many people adored Socrates. So many people loved him. So many people cherished the moments they had with him. And so many people have said brilliant things about Socrates that knew him personally, of course. Now, the man is a figure of history. He's a monumental figure of history now. And through the work of Plato, we know about Socrates and what he was like as a person. And from Plato's work, well, we have the history of philosophy. And the person of philosophy, of the, the philosophical person, or the character of Socrates, has, well, it's permeated out into human knowledge. And we can say, well, is, are the books that we wrote about Socrates the real man or not? Well, we leave that to the philosophers and to the historians to work out. The important insight to understand is that Socrates was a person, and he did start something. There were things that came from him, stories, impressions, so we can get a sense of what he was like. And generally speaking, well, people loved him, and he had an incredible way of interacting with people, of dealing with being face-to-face with a person in multiple situations. He had many ways of forming relationships. He had many ways of talking about things that people believe, values that are deep, what people think about, what people are doing, whether it makes sense for them to be even doing what they're doing. And he was a controversial figure. After all, he was tried and killed. So he was found guilty by at least some semblance of the meaning of the word guilty. And there were people that got pissed off with his inquiries about asking questions. But that that sort of pissed off is not the same sort of pissed off as Xantippe. Xantippe is just annoying. She's just a bitch. She's not being clever. She's not being insightful. She's not drilling into who you are as a person. No. She's just terrible, simple, and plain. 
Not like Socrates. Socrates, what a man. How easy it is to idolise Socrates. And if you've heard the stories about Socrates, it's very easy to just get this feeling of, ah, what a guy. And there is a story about Socrates where, well, he's having an argument with Xantippe. And they're having an argument and she's being a bitch and he's doing his philosophical inquiry and he's standing his ground. And then Xantippe goes and she gets the bedpan and she tips piss and shit all over Socrates. She pours it all over him. It's a bit funny that, that I say she, she tips it over him, tipping, tipping Xantippe. Maybe we can make that a sort of playground teasing name for her. She's tippy, Xantippe because she tips poo and piss all over her husband. And the story goes that when she did this, Socrates sat there and did nothing except say... After the thunder comes the rain. (laughs) Isn't that funny? He just sits there and he says, After the thunder comes the rain. He wears it. My goodness, what is he thinking? What is going on here? What is going on? We have... We have one of the most brilliant philosophers of the entire human history. And he's married to one of the worst wives in the entire human history. What is going on here? This is astonishing. This is amazing. And Socrates' friends, well, they all thought, Xantippe was a bitch. And they said as much to Socrates. They say, why are you hanging around? Why are you married to this monster of a woman? My goodness, I can't stand being around her. And you're married to her. And you're Socrates, you're brilliant. You're so insightful. You're full of so much wisdom. How can you do this? Go find someone else. Please, Socrates. For my sake, I just don't want to see her when I come visit you. (laughs) And, well, Socrates had an answer to this. And his answer, he illustrated by talking about horses. And he said that to be a master of the stables... And horse training, you need to find the most wild horse. The most animalistic, the most primal, the most aggressive horse. And that's the horse you tame. That's the horse you learn to ride. That's the horse you learn to be calm around. That's the horse that you find your way into. Carefully, delicately, peacefully, without disrupting your own equanimity, 
without disrupting your own grounding. And this is the incredible insight of Socrates, which is that he wanted to be able to deal with all sorts of human beings. He wanted to be able to speak with them. He wanted to be able to relate to them. He wanted to be able to show them parts of themselves and show them parts of him. He wanted deep human connection in every way and every definition of the word, of the phrase. Deep human connection. And so he found himself the most wild horse. He found himself the most difficult person, the most controlling, the most obtuse. And I imagine she was quite stupid. She was quite dumb, really. And not dumb in an innocent way, like, oh, you're so innocent and cute. You're so, you know, some people, some people are dumb and they're innocent. And in that sense, well, their, their unintelligence is actually a strong quality. It's actually a good thing to be unintelligent. But I don't get that impression from Xantippe. I, I get the feeling that she was just stupid and that's annoying and you're an idiot and you're not cute. And really, well, she's a bitch. She's just the worst wife in history. And yet Socrates had the wisdom to know that this was his test. This was his way to become a master of relationships, is to go for the big fish. Now think think of what we normally do. Think of like the the general the, the general easy intuition. The easy intuition is ah, I want a wife who is beautiful and she's easy and I get along really well with her. And things are just simple and we just agree on things and we're going in the same direction in life and it's just like we're meant to be because we're so similar. And now hear what Socrates, or the insight that we're drawing from this story, seems to imply, if not Socrates himself, is that, well, that's the wrong attitude. It's not the right way to go about things. And there's also something to be learned about polarity, which is that tension in a relationship actually leads to attraction. And the relationship that is, oh, we're just the same and we're going in the same direction and we agree on everything, well, that becomes quite boring. You get off on the wrong foot. And there's very little attraction between you. The, the relationships that start in romance are the ones where you're with someone who is very different to you. And yet you can spend some time pretending that you're the same. That's a very high, that's a, that's a recipe for a very high amount of attraction. The person that you are attracted to, someone who's very different, because they have the things that you need fulfilled, that they have the things that you want that you don't have, and yet on the surface they appear to be the same as you. They look like what you think you are about yourself. And of course there's a phase in relationships where, well, you then go along with it and 
the two of you keep up how similar you are for some time. And this is the romance. And then the little things start coming out. And then the real person starts coming out. And then you start to see who they really are. And if you're mature, well, you can work with those things. And you can say, well, you can learn to love them for who they are. And you can learn that their differences are actually, well, you might also be attracted to those differences as well. But that by no means says that we should be giving up on our relationships. It also doesn't say that we should be sticking with our relationships once the romance is popped. I mean, if you're aware of this, you can make that decision consciously. You can see that difference consciously. You can see, ah, there's something in this person that I don't like. And that's their real self coming out. I'm not going to make excuses for it. And it's actually on me to say, well, can I learn to love them for their imperfections? Can I learn to get over my own imagination of romance? My own ideas about things rather than the actual reality that is there. And this is what Socrates understood. Because he wanted to have the reality right in his face. And I doubt there was much romance at all between Socrates and his wife in the sense of, well, them pretending to be similar or them pretending to have shared interests or them even being really cute with each other and being romantic in the ABC sense of the word romantic. And that's why, well, that's why we tell stories about Socrates thousands of years later. Because he had that maturity. And we are, well, (laughs) speak for yourself, Dosta, I hear you say. (laughs) Depending on where you're at in your relationship or your idea of what sort of wife or... And of course, this does go both ways. Now, we're saying this as the worst wife in history. Well, we can... Well, I don't know. Maybe that's a tricky one. Let's just stick with... Let's just stick with Socrates and Xantippe. If we want to flip the, the husband and the wife thing, maybe we can do that in a different conversation. But for here, let's just assume that we are, well, we're trying to learn something from Socrates to understand something about crazy women. And if you can do that, well, your woman can become a point of consciousness expansion. And not just them as a person, but the worst parts of them. And every time she nags, or every time she tries to control you, or every time there's an argument, well, that can be your chance to say, okay, there's something here that is real that I need to see. There is something that is being drawn to my attention which I haven't seen before. And my equanimity is being tested. My grounding is being tested. Which means I don't want to get caught up in it. I don't want to get all fluffy away. Get carried away in the argument. No, I want to remain grounded. 
And you really need the most powerful storm to have the deepest grounding. And it's quite rare that you can find someone who would do that. And it's actually quite hard to find a wife or a person that, well, would be such a bitch to you. And if you turn that around, well, imagine if you went around and you you had the opposite attitude of, oh, instead of trying to find the best wife possible, let me try and find the worst one. Really, really, it just, just think it through. Like, I'm not advocating going out and trying it, but think it through and think of how different your attitude to relationships would be. Think about how different you would approach that relationship. Think about how different the start of that relationship would be. Think about how different the sorts of things you would talk about. And that would open up different parts of you. It would show you different sides of your consciousness. It would show you different sides of your psychology. And it would get you into, well, a more active way of relating with people. A more way of acting on how to learn to relate to people. And that's the insight that we learn from Socrates and Xantippe. I'll also mention that there's this famous self-help book, which I'm sure you've heard of. It's very famous. It's a modern book. It's by David Dada, and it's called Way of the Superior Man. It's very famous on the internet. I'm sure you've heard of it. But let me just remind you of one of the points in his book, which is stop waiting for your woman to become easy. And this insight of stop waiting for your woman to become easy is exactly the same insight as, well, Socrates marrying Xantippe, the worst wife in the history of wives. Because if you stop waiting for her to become easy, well, then her tests become a tests, tests that make you better. The things she does that piss you off become the moments where you can transmute your consciousness and your psychology. And instead of saying, oh, she's so annoying, I just need to get away until she calms down and oh, just let me know when you're not angry anymore, dear, and then I'll come back and then we can be happy again. Oh, why can't she just get her life together? Why can't she just be sweet like she was when we were first married or when we were first together? And instead of all that attitude, you've got the attitude of, ah, oh, I am a man. Ah, my woman is testing me. I can take it. You want to test me? Bring it on. You want to test me? Well, that's actually because you have a need which is not being satisfied. And I'm your man, so let me find out what it is that you're angry about. And I can feel the, I can feel the change in energy, like just saying those words. Like, t- take, it, take the group of phrases like, Are you still angry, dear? 
What's it going to take for you to cheer up, dear? Oh, honey, I don't like seeing you so upset. Oh, I wish you could be happy, dear. Is there anything I can do for you, honey? These sorts of phrases, they're sort of, they're sort of passive. They're not really stepping up to the plate. And take on the other side of, well, an empowered response. Well, you're angry, and it's my job to find out why. Are you telling me there's something I haven't done for you? Because if that's the case, I'm going to do it for you. Are you angry at me because I'm not being the man that I should? And if that's true, give me the chance to be the man that I should. You see, these are, these are fighting words. This is fighting for the relationship rather than fighting with someone. And that's something you need to understand about the tensions between you and your loved one or whoever it is, your wife or, or even anyone in a sense. But, but the, wife is the, the wife is a unique relationship. This is not really something you can apply to every relationship. You learn, you learn things the hard way with your wife and then in your other relationships, you translate those insights into, well, getting along easily with them. And this can open up to, well, a whole broad spectrum of different complexes to different relationships. And it's, and it's vast. It's really vast. There's so much to human relationships. So, if you want to get good at it, marry a psycho. (laughs) And if you marry the world's worst psycho, well, you'll turn into the world's best philosopher. (laughs) And that, well, that's probably a good point for us to finish up. And I'll leave you with one more Socrates quote. And this is very funny. This is a very famous quote. It's on the internet a lot. And he says, by all means, marry. If you marry someone you like, you'll be happy. And if you marry someone you don't like, you'll become a philosopher. (laughs) And that's all I have to say for now.